Hello, you're listening to The Pilgrim's Podcast, the podcast where we journey through The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Uh, You're listening to The Pilgrim's Podcast. I'm Jordan and with me today slash tonight is R. What's the, I don't know how you what's grammatically correct there, but Harry's here. Yep. Hello. And Stephen. I am. We are in... Is that blasphemous? What? If I just say I am. (laughs) We'll leave that up to uh, the listeners. We'll throw a poll up on our Instagram. (laughs) Is it blasphemous to just say the words I am? (laughs) Maybe sacrilegious at best. But anyway, we're on week 38. I think, of lockdown, slowly (laughs) easing our way out. We're now able, at the time of recording, to have drive-in churches, although that's not an instruction to drive-in churches. That's merely a suggestion, I think. I can't wait to go in and order all them sacraments, man. (laughs) That's definitely blasphemous. The poll has morphed into what was the most sacrilegious, blasphemous thing that was said during this episode. Uh, have you ever been to a drive-in church? I have not. We were talking about how it works today, actually, me and Elaine. Whether the person at the front just has to be really loud, or uh, or whether you have to, like, you know, tune in to the FM, or well, the the instructions for the the new drive-in churches are that your windows are to be up. Mm-hmm. So I imagine it must be a radio thing. I've always wanted to be on the radio, so... You literally have a podcast. I know, but <laughs> I want to be on the like, FM radio, do you know? Like, this doesn't count, this isn't high bar enough for you? Like, like t- This is just a stepping stone till I uh, reach <laughs> cool FM. But anyway, yep. ju- I just need to sort out now how we're going to take down a couple of the walls and keep the building structurally um, <laughs> secure, and so we can have a drive-through church or a drive-in church. A drive through church. Yeah. Anyway, how are you two fellows? I um, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I am also good. You're a graduate now, Harry, aren't you? Yes, I've. Well, I haven't got my do for a thing yet, but uh, yeah, but hopefully I'm going to become a master next year. And. I can turn around and go. The circle is now complete. When I left you, I was, I was once the learner. Now I am the master. <laughs> is that a Star Wars reference? I. You wouldn't know though, Jordan. I wouldn't know. <laughs> but anyway, we left last time, and we had talkative and faithful, and what Christian. That's his name. That's his name. Are you serious? Am I serious? You forgot the pilgrim's name? Which is the same name of the faith which you follow. (laughs) As I say, we had Christian, we had faithful, we had talkative. And Christian is the one who's giving a bit of wise counsel to faithful with regards to who talkative is. And we got a little bit of background. And then talkative bids them adieu. 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 To you and you and you. So long, farewell. I feed her saying good, goodbye, good night or goodbye, goodbye now. 
we are going to pick up straight after that on uh, this episode. We're going to be talking and meeting a character from previous pages, from previous chapters. It is our good friend, Evangelist. Christian and Faithful, they are continuing on with their journey. Talkative has gone and their pathway takes them through a wilderness. Yeah, I know that they've just come through two valleys mm-hmm. back to back. And then, if I'm right, they ascended a small hill so that they could see where they're going just after that. Mm-hmm. Let me thumb back through my book. Just before Talkative arrived, I think. Yep. And so now they're just come through a wilderness, so I'm imagining some sort of western desert skip thing. Do you think that do you think the geographical features that he mentions, um sometimes he does mention them specifically, that they represent something the same way that the characters do? I think definitely. You know? It would be remiss of uh, an author of, of Bunyan's calibre to not have as much detail and as much allegory in this classic as as possible. I don't think there's a character that, that is just there to fill up the pages. They all mean something. And mm-hmm. and I think the same uh, goes with the with the landscapes. Um, I, read, yeah. I read in one instance uh, someone who said that the wilderness represents the world in which we live, the world especially in its opposition and its rejection of God. Okay. So it's I mean it's just it's just a single line of mention. It's not like it's not like the sly where that's the the setting mm-hmm. or even the valleys. It's more it reads like an off handed comment, but for now they were travelling through a wilderness. Mm-hmm. I tell you what, journey. It took me back to the very first sentence of the whole entire book. Mm-hmm. You know, as I walk through the wilderness of this world. Oh, yeah. But that's Bunyan. Mm-hmm. I know, well, I'm just... A, it's just the word yeah, yeah, wilderness, yeah, yeah. like, you know. So you think they're coming up to Bunyan himself? <laughs> They've broken the dream. <laughs> when does this happen in the movie? Now. You're looking at now, sir. Everything that happens now is happening now. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he just thought he hadn't had a wilderness in there for a while, so... Just throw a wilderness in. <laughs> but it is something about a tedious journey. The tediousness of it. Mm-hmm. Are they getting fed up and a bit tired, a bit knackered? And it's a wilderness. And just as they come to the point where they're about to to exit, Faithful looks back and spies a friend. Someone he knows. It's Evan. Evan's here again. <laughs> There's a real one-upmanship, I feel here, of uh, who's the more friendly with Evangelist. <laughs> you know, Faithful turns around, and my version here, using the modern English, he says, Oh, said Faithful to his brother, someone is coming. Then Christian looked and said, It is my good friend Evangelist. Yes, and my good friend also, said Faithful. I was like, no, he's my friend. No, 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 no. He's my good friend. No, 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 no. I remember him. I go way back with Evangelist. Our four-year-old can't quite grasp the concept of having more than one friend. You know, 
And that's yeah. kind of what it reminds me of here, you know. He's my good friend. Oh, well, he's he's actually my good friend. <laughs> yeah, I met him first. <laughs> Do you find something reassuring about actually reading about evangelists coming back to them? Yes, I think so. It's nice to see a familiar face that is actually one of the good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure for Christian and Faithful, after all they've been through, it's uh, good for them to see a familiar face who'll give them a bit of encouragement, guidance some wisdom and prepare them for what's ahead. Yeah, especially if, if they've just come through a desert, they're probably... They're certainly not in need of coming across another talkative. Mm. But they're, yeah, they seem delighted. Welcome, welcome, my good friend. The sight of your face brings your past kindness and unwearied laboring for my eternal good to my remembrance. And a thousand times welcome. I can't even help it now. I'm reading it and it really reads like they're just trying to outdo one another. <laughs> you know, welcome, welcome, my good friend. Ah, a thousand times welcome. <laughs> it's somewhat reassuring. And comforting to know that evangelist is sort of, it's almost like he's following up. You know, he has this commitment uh, to to making sure that the Christian and faithful are keeping on the way almost. So Yeah, I think it's significant. You know, I think our, well, my default understanding of evangelism and evangelist is at the very beginning of the Christian faith. You know, that kind of get them converted and that's maybe it. Mm-hmm. See them off. They're gone. Yeah. Next. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The heart of evangelism is, you know, is loving people and investing your time and your energy into others and for, for the sake of others. It isn't just a case of, as you say, sort of, you know, converting them and onto the next one and, and tallying them up. Mm-hmm. You know, there is that encouragement, there is that discipleship, that, that, that follow up, that, that care for someone's spiritual well being. It's not enough for evangelists to just sort of point them on the way, yeah, uh, like he did right at the very start, and then forget all about them. But mm-hmm. he wants to see them complete the journey, which I think he alludes to mm-hmm. somewhere along, it's you know, about running, yeah. finishing the race, sort of thing. Yeah, I think, and this is probably my maybe misunderstanding of the word through just the corruption of it being overused. Is you think of the the evangelist as the kind of the yeah, the sandwich board wearing street preacher just barking out, repent. Mm-hmm. And this idea of maybe of them, yeah, just really looking for conversions more than anything. Uh, and and that's what I read when I think every time I've come across evangelists, it's been this guy, oh yes, this is the guy who, who converts people in a sense, which is uh, such a misrepresentation of what it means to be an evangelist, I think. He is an evangelist in the sense of a herald[er] of good news, evangelion. They threw in a wee bit of Greek there. And maybe if he was called discipler or mentor, I would have a fuller, more rounded picture of what Bunyan, I think, intends by the word evangelist. Someone who shares the good news, not necessarily just at the start, but continually spurs on. Yeah. I thought evangelion was Greek for Turner Burn. <laughs> yeah, I think it does sort of highlight uh, maybe in some circumstances what we're not doing right in sort of modern evangelism in the church where it's just so geared towards this big 
conversion moment, but there's like no mm. follow up. Yeah. I am loving The Pilgrim's Progress as a book. But to be honest, when Evangelist asks them how they've been getting on and says to them, you know, how has it fared with you, my friends, since the time of our last parting? I was kind of expecting a couple of pages of all of Christian's adventures and all the conversations and all the people he's met and a repetition of everything Faithful's been up to, including the last conversation with Talkative, almost verbatim, repeated. Uh, and I was very glad that it was summarized as Christian and Faithful told them of all the things which had happened to them along the way, kind of off screen or off page. <laughs> it's one of those, it's a, you know, SpongeBob, uh, you know, six hours later. Six hours later. <laughs> yes. Six hours later. <laughs> It's summed up in about three seconds there. Yeah. Evangelist. How glad I am. Not that you've met with trials. <laughs> As you know, you know, somebody tells you, oh, my, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I got a flat tire. Oh, oh, good. Um, <laughs> you know, how glad I am. But that you've been victors. And they've continued on, on the narrow path, on the narrow way, even to this day. I mean, that's such a good summary. Like, that's a good way of articulating it. You know, that would be such an encouragement if you were there, if you were Christian and faithful, having recounted all the ups and all the downs. You know, for someone to look at you after you've spewed out for six hours the accounts of the last number of pages and be told, I'm glad that you've been a victor despite many weaknesses and that you've continued in the narrow way even to this very day. Wouldn't that just lift you? Oh, it would uh, it would be a shot in the arm certainly mm-hmm. again it's another sort of recurring theme that it nearly has just come at the right time for these these guys here you know this is just what they needed yeah. after the the slog of of dealing with with talkative and as they're walking through this this wilderness and they're they're dreary they could really do with a bit of uh exhortation and encouragement and counsel and in one sense you know, they wouldn't be victors if it was an easy, straightforward walk. If they'd just been, you know, they left the city of destruction and it's just been a long walk. You wouldn't necessarily be victorious over anything. It's because of the trials that makes them victors. They have had to endure mm-hmm. and have come through. So Evangelist is in a bit of a... I imagine at this point that they're sitting down and having this really nice conversation on the side of the road because Evangelist goes into a bit of a... A spiel. And one of the things that stood out for me uh, from what he said was the idea of the crown is before you and it is an incorruptible one. So run that you may obtain it. Now that's that's language straight out of, I think, Peter about the you know running the race for the, the crown that's set before you. Mm-hmm. Now Paul makes an illustration to the athlete as well. Yeah, and so this idea of going after the crown... How do you feel about the idea of going after the Christian life for the reward? Does it seem to cheapen it? Or, I don't know, I'm not even really sure what I'm asking. Uh, I think I think I get what you mean. Try and rephrase that for me, Harry. Like, living the Christian life for the reward you're going to receive for it. Does that undermine it? 
Yeah, it's supposed. So you're sure It's the the maybe the more biblical or spiritual version of your best life now. You're doing it for what you get out of it. Yeah. I suppose the difference is you're not doing it for like earthly pleasures. You're doing it for like a heavenly reward rather than like an earthly reward. So there's a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. I just wondered, you know, the thought that of especially in the allegory, they're going to this other city. And they're going because they're getting away from the city of destruction that's going to be destroyed. They're going to the celestial eternal city. But now they're also going to get crowns. Is it a bit much of an allegory? Is it, Are there two different allegories? I mean, is this a literal crown? In the scriptures or in this? In this? Well, everything's an allegory in this. Everything? Oh, do you, oh, you mean for, for Christian? Mm-hmm. Within the allegory, is it a literal? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you know? I've confused myself now. I, th- I think we've entered Inception again. Insert Inception. There we go. <laughs> I mean, for me, it's not about running so that you get a crown or a, or a reward. The progress that they're making on this journey, on this pilgrimage, ultimately, there is a hasten to use the word prize, but there is a prize at the end. There, That's a biblical term, which is, I think, why I have a struggle with this, because this is all biblical language. So this is none of this is unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Prize, gold, crown, yeah, all of that stuff. But there, there is something at the end. They'll be citizens in the celestial city. Mm-hmm. And so just like Mo Farah or Usain Bolt, they run, they exemplify determination and perseverance and discipline and obviously these are all things that the athletes have to to look to and have to work at and have to be deliberate in uh, in order for them to set out and to achieve what they want Um, the pilgrim, the Christian runs the race with perseverance and all the rest of it towards the goal but it's a a heavenly inheritance so let me see if I can can straighten this out in my mind Mm -hmm. So let's picture Usain Bolt, and I don't know an awful lot about athletics. I imagine you, whenever you win the Olympics, there's prize money for getting first. Not in the Olympics, I don't think. Is there not? I, don't I have think no so. idea. I have no idea. Okay, well, if not, that's great. That works even better, because I was going to say, forget about it. Okay, so imagine he's just running for the gold medallion that he gets, which may or may not be actual real gold or 100% gold, or it might be the plastic ones you get in Tesco's for three for a pound. Oh, yeah. And he's running because either he wants that gold medallion so that he can melt it down and use the money of it, which may not actually be that much. Or does he want that medallion because that shows that he has ran the fastest? Is it the proof of what he's accomplished? And and the, it's more of a token than a significant reward. And so therefore is the idea of in scripture and in the, in the allegory, is the crown a token of what has been accomplished? Okay. Um, let me see. Let me just type this in. Sounds like you're Googling. I am Googling. Okay. So, listen. Yeah. Olympic gold medals, according <laughs> to Google, are yeah. made from at least 92.5% silver. Gold medals. Yes. So they're actually yes. So silver. Silver. 
As in second place. How much is in a silver? 92% gold. Wouldn't that be <laughs> ironic? Okay, so, I mean, they have to be a certain diameter and all the rest of it. But anyway. What's the weight of them? Um, gold medals. Or what's the, at the, 20, the value of them? Gold medals at the 2018 Olympics weighed in at 586 grams. Then, the 2018, the gold medal was 99% silver with 6 grams of gold plating. Right. Okay, so obviously it's not 100% gold. Um, no. Do you know, like, other than, like, buying them on eBay because they're an Olympic gold medal, what is the actual value of the metal item? I mean, it probably goes up and down with the, 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 the price of value of silver but anyway okay. I, I guarantee you that if the the price of silver was uh 20 pounds an ounce i have no idea if that's any <laughs> i'm literally plucking that out of out of thin air you know i believe you i believe you yeah. but i mean i guarantee you that usain bolt wouldn't sell it for that do you know what I mean? The value, the value of that gold medal isn't in the material that it's made of. It it's the it's the culmination of years of of the, the what we've been talking about perseverance and determination, uh, and it's the realization of a of a, a goal that's been met. So the the reward then, and and in Bunyan's case, and and the Apostle Paul and Peter's case. The crown, and I think actually, does Paul talk about the crown of uh, laurels, the kind of the leafy crown, you know, the, the one that's definitely going to decay pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the actual crown, whatever it's made out of, is a token representation of something else rather than I'm going to get, I really, I really like that, the look of that headgear. You know, it demonstrates to Christian and faithful of a life faithful to the Lord. Mm-hmm. So that's why they're pursuing it. Yeah. I think I have, I think you've helped me straighten this out. Can I add something in too? The price per ounce of silver is £12.60. So it, was, it wasn't that far away. I, that was a decent, decent cash buy there, Jordan. Um, well, £12.60 per ounce. Per How much ounce was in the actual for medallion? S- for silver. Um, five hundred eighty-six grams. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh. But anyway, I mean, if you had it, we wanted to be running in any Olympics, it was um, nineteen twelve, because Why? that was the last time that an Olympic medal was made entirely out of gold. Oh no way! Nineteen twelve. Mm-hmm. Man, but they oh, only man. weighed point eight five of an ounce. Yep. So Evangelist encourages them to um, persevere and do not grow weary for the crown is before you and it's incorruptible unlike those leafy Caesary kind of crowns mm-hmm. um, and this is a token of accomplishment that doesn't fade away and there is a word of caution as well because they're not yet out of the gunshot reach of the devil yeah that's such a strange metaphor. I suppose there would have been guns around during the English Civil War, and definitely guns around during it. It just seems so weird to think of the the devil with a gun. <laughs> it's, like, it? it's like Wild West or something, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
Just the be out of the gunshot. Like we've had flaming darts and battle armor that evokes the knights of the old realm. But now we're, watch out, you might be in the firing range of the devil. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I mean, I can kind of see a little bit because sometimes, you know, that that speaks to me that just because we're out of arm's reach of the devil, you know, it can still hurt us and it really makes sense that the devil would have a gun too. Yeah. yeah but why not? I suppose it would make more sense within the allegory for it to be your knight. You're not yet out of longbow reach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but, uh, sure. It's like I'm saying, watch out for the devil's laser beam. Yeah. It's a sophisticated heat beam, which we called a laser. Do you know, when, when Evangelist returns, it almost feels like whenever Gandalf comes back to the Fellowship or Aye. along with the Hobbits and the Dwarves, it's like, ah, everything's going to be okay for the next wee bit because... That grand old wizard, Evangelist, is here. I am Gandalf the White. And I come back to you now. At the turn of the tide. Evangelist the White. Gandalf the Grey. It is, I mean, it is a great piece of encouragement, you know. Um, Something that we can take encouragement from, even... Even today, you know, esteem the spiritual above the the material. Mm-hmm. Let nothing in this world capture your your highest affections. You know, pay attention to your fleshly desires. Your heart's deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. Again, that's that's plucked straight out of scripture. Yeah, I suppose there has always been that potential mm-hmm. in all of this journey that Christian could turn back like some of the other people he's come across or give up or maybe even die yeah although that last one seems in light of future events not the worst hmm actually uh, dying is kind of leveling up early yeah evangelist sees it as better yeah uh, but you know there is that there is the the chance that he will either be waylaid and end up somewhere like with Adam the First or Mr. Worldly Wiseman and just not go anywhere or turn back. And these warnings are a a kick up the backside to keep going. Mm-hmm. What about evangelist uh, prophesying, you know, dabbling a little bit of prophetic ministry? Uh, as a wizard. Yeah. He's he's gonna tell he's gonna tell them you know how they can live their best life now if they give them all the money they've collected so far God's going to give them five times as much and they're going to be able to build big massive houses along the path but imagine this I mean you've been so encouraged by the words of of evangelist and then he tells you when you get to the town it's just a wee bit ahead of you you're going to be grievously assaulted people are really going to try and kill you yeah, we're like just. This isn't the pick me up that maybe they were hoping for, especially seeing as it was Christian who asked them. You're a bit of a prophet. What's up ahead of us? <laughs> That'll take you. Don't be, don't be asking yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe she says at least one of you is gonna die. Yeah. Um, In that time, you will be grievously assaulted by enemies. 
who will make great attempts to kill you, be sure that one or both of you must seal the testimony which you hold with your blood. Be faithful unto death. I wonder who it could be who's going to die there. He, he didn't give it away. <laughs> Do you think he was like making proper eye contact with faithful at this point? Be faithful unto death. <laughs> I mean, uh, faithful. It's going to be really tough to be a death. Christian in this next town. Be faithful <laughs> unto death. And then you know, faithful just hears the words faithful death. Oh, absolutely. Oh, you definitely would. Mm. And let knowing this, these guys have to continue on. And they do. Mm. You know, how many towns are they passing on this road? The town that we're about to get to uh, in the next one is right on the thoroughway of this highway. Mm-hmm. Is this the, the most tactile evangelist could have been? It's not even clear whether both of them will make it out of this alive or not. There's the potential that they both die here. Um, I don't know. I mean, if he had have been playing his day and said, "Faithful, you go to Vanity Fair and you're going to die," or right, well, I'm going to turn back here. You know. But he also doesn't warn them, "Don't go." Yeah. And it's more a case of when you go, when they go to kill you, remain faithful. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with John Fox's Book of Martyrs? Um, I'm aware. Aware of it? Mm-hmm. Fox's Book of Martyrs? Yes. I've been doing a wee bit of reading about the early persecution of the apostles at the beginning of the book, and it kind of goes through the what the traditions are for most of the apostles and early disciples. First, a wee bit of a quick-fire quiz. First martyr in the New Testament? You. Who? Well... No, you. Oh, Stephen. you. No, Stephen. <laughs> you, because it was Stephen. There's no Hugh in the Bible. Name. I didn't say Hugh. <laughs> it's not a very Hebrew name. Uh, yeah, so Stephen. And then the other major martyr? In in the New Testament? In the in the book of Acts, yeah. Oh, doesn't one of the, one of the disciples get killed early on, doesn't he? Like one of the yeah, twelve? Yeah, uh, one of the twelve, one of the three. Oh, uh, it's not Peter, it's not John, so it must be James. That's right, good deduction skills there, yes. Harry. So James, the brother of John, is beheaded by the sword in Acts 12. Um, so in, in Fox's Book of Martyrs, let me get, uh, let's uh, play the Inception music again. Um, because in Fox's Book of Martyrs, Fox quotes Eusebius, who references Clement, who writes this story of what happened uh, at James's martyrdom in Acts 12. So according to uh, James, when he was brought to the tribunal seat, he who brought him and caused his trouble, seeing James to be condemned and that he should suffer death, as he went to his execution, he was moved in the heart and conscience and confessed himself also to be of his own accord a Christian. And so were they led forth together. And he desired of James to forgive him for all that he had done. After that, James had paused a little and turning to him, he said, Peace to you, brother, and kissed him. And both were beheaded that day in the year of our Lord, 36. So the guy who uh, daubed James in, according to tradition, 
became a Christian while watching James go to his execution mm. and then was double executed there and then on the spot. Mm. And then uh, John Fox quotes Dorotheus, who was a possible bishop of Tyre and a priest, who says that uh, a number of the seven deacons, along with Stephen, suffered on the same day Stephen did suffer. So I assume that means killed, stoned. A number of the disciples, Thomas, was slain by a dart. Simon the Zealot was crucified. Thaddeus was slain. Uh, Simon, the brother of Jude, was crucified. John Mark, the evangelist, was drawn with ropes onto the fire and was burned and afterwards was buried at a place called Bucullus. Bartholomew was beaten down with staves, then crucified, and after being exorated, he was at length beheaded. And Andrew, um, the brother of Peter, was arrested and told that he was going to be crucified. And he said that he would not have preached the honor and glory of the cross if he had feared the death of the cross. And while he approached it, he said, O cross, most welcome and long looked for, with a willing mind, joyfully and desirously I come to thee, being the scholar of him which did hang on thee, because I have been always thy lover and have coveted to embrace thee. And so he was crucified and he yielded up his ghost and fell asleep. Matthias, the additional apostle, was stoned and beheaded. Philip, the apostle, was crucified and stoned to death. Peter was crucified with his head being down and his feet upwards. And while being crucified, he saw his wife being taken to be martyred as well. And then Paul was also beheaded under Nero. So Christian and faithful here stand um, I know they're fictitious and allegorical, but they stand in a long line of martyrs of the faith going right back to the very first days of the faith. Mm-hmm. According to tradition, all of the apostles were martyred or executed bar John, John who uh, who had been attempted to be martyred. Like tr- They tried to boil him alive in various things, but couldn't get him dead. So they exiled him to Patmos, and he lived the longest, but in one sense as well, that was maybe just as bad, if not worse. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting. And then, of course, this isn't ancient history. We've had, do you remember the beheadings a number of years ago with ISIS and the Coptic Christians in Egypt and Ethiopia? Yeah. So, how, I mean, you're faithful. You're sitting with evangelist. He's pretty much named you. <laughs> And the side of the road. How do you spur yourself on to go to this next town? Is that the importance of the crown? Yeah. I think they're just already committed to this journey as well. The, their crown as well. It all I suppose it all depends on the the value that you that you place on the, the prize that, that that awaits you. Yeah. Is the celestial city uh, worth the prospect of persecution. I mean, it's one thing saying that, but actually having to go through these things. But it's always good for us to remember the words of Jesus. He doesn't say that in this world you might have trouble, or in this world there's a possibility of trouble, but in this world you will. And essentially that's the same message that evangelist has for a Christian, you know, 
coming forward here, going into this next town, people are going to be out for you. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But do you know what? Take heart. Be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. Yeah. I mean, to steal a phrase from from a, another New Testament writer, to, to live as Christ and to die is gain. Mm-hmm. And if you, you know, if you make it through, then you're one step closer to the celestial city. And if you don't make it through, well, as you say, you've, you've leveled up. Yeah. Yeah. The letters to the seven churches in Revelation. I think every one of them finishes with, to the one who is victorious, I will give you the victor's crown. Be faithful, even to the point of death, and I will give you life mm-hmm. as your victor's crown. I mean, that's that's what evangelist has said here. That's He was plagiarizing Jesus. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm thinking the last time that they saw evangelist, just before they reached the, the slough of despond, the last time Christian had a companion going on with them, and they're talking about all this stuff. Pliable says, what do we have there? Christian answers, we shall be with the seraphim and the cherubim, creatures which shall dazzle your eyes to look upon. There also you shall meet with thousands and tens of thousands of those who have gone ahead of us to that place. And they are all loving and holy, each one fully accepted by God and standing there in his presence. In a word, there we shall dwell with all the redeemed people of God, having golden crowns and golden harps, and we shall also see those who, for the love which they bore to the Saviour, were cut in pieces, burned in the flames, eaten by beasts, and drowned in the seas. They are all perfect and clothed with immortality. And yet, like like you said, Jordan, there, how much do you value this stuff? Pliable didn't value mm-hmm. it. And the, the smallest light that Pliable faced when he started to sink in the slough, he says, is this the happiness that you told me of? If we have such trouble in our first setting out, how may we expect before our journey's end? If I can get out here with my life, you can have your noble country without me. It's a bit of a downer, but I think it's it's a good downer in that sense. These are things that we need to be reminded of. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is for their good. And if we are seeking to be that mentor, that encourager, it's more than just empty platitudes and bumper sticker feel-good slogans. Mm-hmm. It's about laying it out there, you know. And you want a faith that will persevere unto death. You don't want something that's going to shy away. Yeah. So we know where the next destination is. It's a town up ahead that uh, could be deadly. The next place you know, has become quite a popular term in pop culture as well. It's a magazine, isn't it? Yeah, it was a TV show, I'm pretty sure, as well. Really? Yeah, I think so. On ITV or something. But all that's left for me to do is to remind you that we are on social media, at Twitter and Instagram, at Pilgrim's Pod. Don't forget about that poll as well. Um, after, a, <laughs> after, after quite the blasphemous, irreverent start, we did kind of level off there I think yeah um, with an email as well which I which I believe is pilgrimspod at gmail.com yeah do hit us up we'd love to hear from our listeners Stephen was guesting on another podcast um, you can oh, you yeah. can hear him out there it's the uh, it's the podcast equivalent of being in the playground uh, with a bag of crisps and, and doing a one for one <laughs> but other than that I've been Jordan. Do you want to mention it? No. Not really, no. Do you think I should mention PCI Cast 
where you and Gareth Keevney uh, spoke to to Ben and to Craig about uh, starting off in ministry and that you can find that wherever you download your podcasts. I'm not going to mention that. No way. The same Craig who was on our Apollyon episode? I'm not going to mention that. No way. Craig Lynn from the PCI cast, uh, Minister of Rathkill Presbyterian. <laughs> anyway, we're waffling now. I've been Jordan. I've been Stephen. I've been uh, Harry. Bye. Bye-bye.